When you grew up poor, and I did, people sometimes give you this great advice, like you should go to college and you want to do that, but nobody tells you how. <laughs> Having the life you want isn't just a destination. It's a series of decisions and steps you take and things you learn, things that happen, and you're weighing one choice against the other. And for a lot of people who grew up emotionally neglected or materially uh, neglected, really, have, getting that wisdom that you need can be almost impossible. It leaves you with no choice but to figure things out for yourself. Luckily, this is possible. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Samantha, and she writes, Dear Anna, despite an array of childhood issues, I'd like to focus on the one that affects my inability to achieve my financial goals. I grew up poor, she said. I've got the fairy pencil. I'm going to circle things I want to come back to on a second reading, but let's go through Samantha's letter and see what's happening here. She says, I grew up poor at times without electricity or water for months at a time. So I was grateful to have a few family members that took me in as much as possible. During the school week, I stayed with my grandparents who were already retired and humbly secure financially. They provided security and took care of my basic financial needs. On the other side of my family, I had a hardworking aunt with a farm. I spent as much time as possible there as it was the most joyous part of my childhood. I learned the value of hard work, had my own horse, and even took riding lessons for a short period. This life was short-lived when my aunt was hurt at work and, and she was prescribed pain pills. Within a year, the farm was gone due to addiction. Oh boy. My family was full of promises. My dad tried to patent inventions that he promised would make us rich. And I remember something about a lawsuit with workers' comp that failed. Lottery tickets were purchased, among many other big empty dreams. Throughout middle and high school, my mom supported our family on a measly secretary's income because my dad claimed to have a debilitating back injury. Although he stayed up all night playing video games and often did war reenactments standing for hours a day, I recently realized I had no guidance on life goals and how to achieve them. Oh, yeah. Our generation was taught to go to college if you want to be anything, but I didn't know what to be since my parents said I could never be a veterinarian due to my poor grades. I entered into psychology, changed majors a few times, ultimately failing my first year and losing all financial aid because I had no motivation. I then worked retail, had a few kids, got married, and decided to go back to be a teacher, only because many people told me how good I would be. No one said, go ask teachers how much they make, if it's worth it, and if it is what they imagined. I worked my tail off in college getting um, president's permission to take more courses than allowed each semester to finish early, and I raised my GPA from a 0.7 to a 3.6. Amazing. When I graduated, my husband was supposed to go to college. Then our lives would be in order. Well, he changed his mind and rarely made more than my teaching salary himself. We divorced after nine years, partly due to how content he was with being stagnant. Because we agreed on 50-50 custody, I didn't ask for child support. I started bartending along with teaching to pay the bills, but was never making enough to save or stay caught up. I tried real estate, it was too expensive to keep up with, and I couldn't gain enough security to quit teaching. 
In my 10 years of teaching, I tried five different grades at three different schools. It was all the same. I love teaching the kids, but the politics were not for me. I guess you mean internal politics. It did not pay the bills or the loans I still owe, and I had to get out. In my last few years of teaching, I had another child and married her dad. A few years ago, we bought a house with a backyard where I happily got chickens and began gardening. We then had the opportunity to start a low-risk business. That was my all-in, just-go-for-it move. I quit teaching, and before we made profit, our business failed. We lost what little savings we had and are still paying for it. My husband now has a new career which he loves and will advance at a gradual pace. I've not gone back to teaching, but, with, but it's been a big sacrifice. I'm a mail carrier, and the first two years of this career required a 60-hour work week, 80 hours during peak seasons, which drastically limits time with family and almost cancels all free time working out, gardening, chickens, art. I'm about a year away from becoming a regular employee and can opt in for the overtime or take a pay cut for a 40-hour work week. Being away from home so much is not worth the overtime. My husband understands my farm goals, and with his help, I now understand the reality that we are still up to 10 years away from getting there. I'm almost 40, and I'm aware my functional years on a farm may be short-lived, which I would still be grateful for, but I cannot help but to believe that some opportunity may still save me. Publisher's clearinghouse, the occasional lottery ticket, or even some freak natural disaster in which no one gets hurt. How can I know these things will not happen, yet still believe they might? Is this hope or insanity? How did I get this far visualizing a life that I had no direction for? How did I move from one beginning to another? I've always been resilient, but has this become a way of life? How have I always seen myself where I want to be, but have never seen the path? Signed from Samantha. Samantha, I read your letter and I thought about it and thought about it and it's just haunted me and it really touches me. I, I really appreciate your life journey and I want to talk about this. Okay. I think it's, so, it's very common. It's very common. You're so not alone with this. So you had childhood issues. You want to focus on this inability to achieve your financial goals. And I heard there was even more to it. Really what you want is you want to do the kind of work you love. And not being able to achieve your financial goals is so much more common than you may realize. I'm guessing you know a lot of people who have been in this situation. And it hits particularly hard when people didn't have parents who knew how to handle this at all. When I hear the way that you grew up with the addiction, your, your aunt losing the farm, your dad having the back injury and staying up all night playing video games and war reenactments like a child, basically. I mean, it really does sound like a teenager. Your mom having a meager salary. I heard this thing that um, the motivational coach Brian Tracy calls the E factor. And it's where it's expedience, where uh, it's sort of like the get rich quick mentality. And we all have a little of it. And if we don't watch out, and especially if we're not parented this way, we can think about like, what's the fastest way that I can get my needs met right now? What's the easiest way that I can get money? And we don't end up planting the seeds. I guess I'm going to use a farming metaphor here, but growing slowly, you know, the flowers of the work that we really love to do. Now, don't I'm not on a high horse here. I, I just did expedience all my life. I sort of did some things that you're, I did go to college, 
couldn't get a job in what I studied. Then I got a master's degree, couldn't get a job in what I studied. I ended up sort of creating my own opportunities. And only later in my 50s has it been a comfortable life, you know. I quite like being crappy childhood fairy. And it's the best job I ever had. And it's very free and it really uses my skills. So I want to put that hope in front of you that you, you've had a glimpse of what you love to do and it's farming. Now, from what I hear about farming, like whatever your financial goals are, I guess it's to have enough cash to buy some land to farm, right? But there's so much more to farming. So I'm going to talk about that, but let me just go through your story. I'm going to bring your attention, attention to some areas of how a person moves forward in life. I think you can do it. I think you can. Um, your family was full of promises. Your dad tried to patent inventions, promised they would make you rich. Something about lawsuits with workers' comp, lottery tickets, big empty dreams. Yeah, this is a thing. There's like mental health diagnosis about what this is. It's sort of a grandiosity and a being completely out of touch with reality, like a big gap between what a person is doing with their time and where they envision it's going and then always promising people it's going to be so great. And any child can't help but believe a parent, right? So I don't blame you, but you got programmed that this was the way. Well, it's not the way. Every now and then somebody gets lucky and or, or invents something really useful, which is more than luck. But if you're not like in the business of inventing, it's really unlikely. So I think you know that intellectually, but they didn't teach you just the day-to-day, -day, you know, seed planting, watering, sunshine process of developing skills that help you both make a living and do something more in line with who you really are. I am so not surprised to hear that you had to live on your mom's salary, it was meager, and that your dad, the back injury, you know, that's really common. The back injury, it also brings pills into people's lives. And video games are definitely an addiction. I'm sorry, but they are. Some people can handle it, but when people are playing video games all night, they kind of might as well be at a casino or doing cocaine or it's a, it's a terrible addiction that sucks the life out of people and ruins seems to hit men harder than women even. Then you realize that you didn't have guidance on life goals. No, you didn't. I understand, yeah. And you were, your generation, you were taught to go to college, like, oh, go to college. It's just these empty words, go to college. Like, college will put you on a path to success. But that wasn't my experience either. I'm glad I went, but because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the game. Like, it turns out you're supposed to do internships. I studied video production and you're supposed to do internships. So I was a great student. I did amazing things. But then I got out. I moved to L.A. I couldn't get a job in production for the life of me. Not for two and a half years. I finally gave up on the whole thing. Then later I created my own company and that did well. If I had had to wait for other people to hire me, which is often the case when you're young and you're trying to learn the ropes, I just wouldn't have gotten picked. Whatever it was about me, I was rough at the edges, a little bit feral, you know, I just, I didn't know the um, social graces that you were supposed to have to work at certain levels. But here's what I did. I figured it out. And I want to encourage you to do that. For you to get into farming, I haven't done farming, so I don't really know the, I don't know the, the scene. I don't know the social life of farmers and how you get to know them. But I want to encourage you, Samantha, go make friends with some farmers. There's this beautiful thing that people will often do for, for anyone who asks. Not everybody will do it, but hardly anyone asks. It's called an informational interview. And um, 
at a party the other night. We had a family party and my one of my sons wanted to ask for an internship with somebody who was there who has a very impressive thing going on. And we were another friend and I were coaching him on how to approach that guy. Uh, to ask. And so I had been thinking, just go ask for an internship. Well, somebody much more seasoned in the world of business um, had a better idea and told my son, try an informational interview. Don't go straight for asking for, hey, can you help me out? Just say, hey, if you were a person like me, you know, a kid who's trying to get into this line of work, what would you do? And so my son did it. And he got this really good answer of something he had never thought of and a sort of not a promise, but like, if you would learn that thing, we'd certainly talk to you about hiring you. And I was so excited to hear that. And I, I wouldn't have thought of it. The whole informational interview thing. I wasn't raised to know that. And you'd think I'd know by now. And I've actually, you know, people contact me for informational in interviews a lot. And the bigger crappy childhood fairy is the more I get contacted to the point that I can't even do it all. You know, I, I kind of can't wait to to be old when, and have more time. It's like this fantasy I have that I can just help more people with that. I love watching people succeed at earning a living and doing something that gives them joy. I love supporting that. I love watching it. So with you and me right now, we get to do that. So I'm really encouraging you. Don't try to guess how to farm. Don't make it a leap from your postal carrier job to farming without that huge step of research and education. Farming is super, you need knowledge to do it. It wouldn't be the end of the world, maybe, if your plan was to um, work on a farm that somebody else owns, but that you, you know, play a major role in running, or you become a junior partner in a farm. A lot of work is needed. And a, there's often very little money in farming. I think that's true almost everywhere. And it's sad. And uh, everything that I hear about it, like unless it's a very giant operation, it's very hard to make a living. But I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying to be prepared for that. I can kind of see why uh, you need a financial buffer. I love that you love teaching and that you're good at it. That is really cool. You can do a lot with that skill other than work in a school system. I think I would go nuts too. My mother was a teacher and she was a good teacher and the politics of the school district like ruined her life basically. And I grew up watching that and I was not drawn to it even though I like to teach. YouTube is a school. YouTube is a school that doesn't pay at first and it takes time, but it teaches you how to teach. You get feedback from your viewers about how you're doing. And if you keep going, if you make at least one video a week, you don't even have to, you know, you don't have to prepare it so much. You can just teach what you know and people really enjoy it. I, 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 I mean, everyone here who's watching this video likes YouTube. When it first came out, I remember just being blown away. Like, I wish this had been here all my life. I would have been all over it. It suits me. Nobody's going to hire me to be a teacher or a leader or anything like that. I made myself into that thanks to a free platform where I could put my own ideas out there and get feedback. And I remember, Samantha, I remember having jobs and like kind of like not really getting anywhere on them and feeling like there was some sort of limit to how much they were going to advance me. And not knowing why and directly asking why and still not knowing why and pff, all of that. I love working for myself. Now, some people, it's totally, they, their, their gifts flourish when they're working in a team. And I do have a team, but I, I flourish without a boss limiting what I can think about and what I can make into a priority. 
All my life, people told me, oh, you're getting too creative. You're thinking too much. No, we're not going to go there. So now I can have my creative thoughts and sometimes they are failures, but I fail in style and sometimes I hit the mark and all in all, this has turned into a wonderful enterprise. So don't give up. 40 is a good age to, you know, now you've got some wisdom. As your kids get a little older, you'll have some freedom and you have, you'll, you're going to have energy for years to do this. I want you to have that farm life. And I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And the way you're going to learn about that is by talking to farmers and doing your research, doing your due diligence, not hopping in, not thinking, because you know what? Nobody, nobody's coming along to tell you how to do this. You have to go ask. I'll tell you that my family, for one, we watch um, farming documentaries, <laughs> you know, sheep farming in Northern England and uh, the, the uh, guy with the Clarkson's farm. We've watched both seasons of that. Like we just have this little hobby. We love watching farming videos and that's all I know about farming is from that. Really, it's not very good information. So I'm not your informational interview, but I'm your informational interview to just tell you, you have to be very curious and brave and go find out. If you go talk, I promise you, if you go talk to 10 people who farm for a living, you will find out, you'll, you know, it'll be like having a bachelor's degree in how to, how to develop um, your own ability to create a farm, but you're going to have to stay with it and keep learning. Learning has to be your joy. When you're poor, and it sounds like you've been poor all your life, and you have kids to support, I'm so glad your husband has good and stable employment right now. That's, that's awesome. I know how much it limits your time and energy. You're 40. Don't even think of that as old at all. I didn't start Crappy Childhood Fairy till I was 53. So, so much can happen. What's interesting is my whole life, I thought that my career was all over the place, that I had never succeeded in putting anything together. When I started doing this, almost every skill that I've ever used on a job came in handy. And it's good, you know, it's good to be a generalist and to have a lot of practical skills so that you can be resourceful. One of my heroes is Laura Ingalls Wilder, resourceful. You know, she just figured out how to scratch a living out of the ground when everything was terrible. <laughs> They'd have their land taken away. Her husband had diphtheria and couldn't, could barely walk. You know, they had problems and she figured it out. And uh, those are my kind of heroes. And if you haven't read Laura Ingalls Wilder, everybody do. Don't even wait till you have kids. Beautiful literature, the Little House series. But I also read about the history of her life, and um, I find these stories very inspiring. What I don't find inspiring is stories of people who win the lottery. And I think we all know people like that. They always want to get into a get-rich-quick scheme. And you'll often see them at the edges of real estate work or things like that, where you know they don't want to be good at anything or learn anything. They just want to make a ton of money. Well, I don't blame them. I like that too. I would love that. It just hasn't worked out that way. And honestly, my satisfaction comes from feeling like I did a good job each day. And I don't do a good job every day, but some days I do do a good job. And it's, I feel that good feeling when I go to bed at night. And when I just waste my time, and I, I used to feel this way all the time when I was doing work that wasn't meaningful to me, I would just feel like, wow, the days of my life are ticking by and one day it will end. And is this really what I want? But you know what, Samantha? I was trying to hang on to a place to live. I was a single mom with two kids. You know, I was trying to get enough work to get through the day and pick up the kids. And I had a lot of medical stuff at the time. It was, it was a really hard time. 
I persevered though, and I want you to persevere too. And just remember, you're like in the club of strong people who get through hard times. Now, Samantha, I regard a job as a postal carrier as a pretty darn good job. It's pretty stable. It has good benefits. It has a pension. Now, you might not be thinking pension right now, but right about where I'm sitting, like I never had a job with a pension. So my work now has to support me today and for the up to 30 years after I stop working. So it's like so much pressure. Imagine if there were a pension. So I, I mean, I have social security, like everybody who works, but it's not enough as we know. So the postal job at 40 hours sounds like a really good decision to me. You have little kids and I know it's, I know it's really hard to work full time with kids. I've, I had to do that too. And sometimes I wish I could get back some of those days when they were just in like aftercare after school until 6 p.m. and just hang out with them a little more and help them a little more with what they do. But you know what I was able to do when I was older than you, when I was 50, and I was working from home, I was able to be a work from home mom when they were able to walk to school. They were old enough to walk themselves home from school. And in a way, I think it's a great gift to be present for the kids when they're teenagers. <laughs> There's a lot of trouble they can get into then too. So yeah, if I, if I had had my choice, it, I wouldn't have had to work so very much um, in their life. But I'm so grateful to have been able to make a living and to have given them a decent life materially and to model for them what a person looks like when they're, you know, balancing their need for money and their need to express who they really are and be creative and have friends and have eventually I remarried and and we I would say we have a very good life. So you show the kids how a person does that. Your kids are probably gonna have to work too, like almost everybody does. It's very rare that people don't have to. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.